journey through a series on justice. Four weeks on justice. We're in week three. We started this series by saying that we were not going to try to talk about justice as this massive, uh, massive topic, dealing with it comprehensively, taking in every piece of the topic of justice. We just can't do that. Not in four weeks. So we said, what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in. We're going to narrow in. We're going to focus and make that topic smaller. So what we're doing is we're actually taking the Gospel of Luke as our, as our text, as our biblical text, and we're walking through real-life situations in the life of Jesus where justice emerges and we're learning lessons about what justice looks like in our world by walking through the Gospel of Luke. And in the first week, we came to this conclusion after looking at this man paralyzed for, we don't know how long, but he comes to Jesus paralyzed, and the first thing Jesus says to him is, your sins are forgiven. Here's a man oppressed, oppressed by a physical ailment. We're not even sure exactly how he uh, came to be paralyzed. But Jesus does not uh, talk anything about his paralysis. The first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. And we came to this conclusion. Take a look. Here it is. This is the conclusion we came to in week one. That the fundamental injustice in the world is our rebellion against God. And the fundamental justice in the world is the death and resurrection of Jesus. When you and I rebelled against God, that had to be dealt with. Justice had to be served. And rather than you and I pay it, Jesus said, I will pay it on the cross and then he came back to life and confirmed that payment of sin. Now, with the promise of new life. The fundamental injustice in the world is not that one group is oppressed by another. It is that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in that fallenness, we get a lot of problems in our world. But we start with the sinner. And that is our rebellion to God and the justice we find in the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Then last week, what we did as we continued to focus in on the Gospel of Luke is we, we walked through five scenes in the Gospel where Jesus and John the Baptist, they confront men of power, tax collectors, soldiers, men who were carrying the authority of the state. And we watched to see how in the world John the Baptist and particularly Jesus would confront them. Is the problem a system? Is it state power? Is policing the issue? Or was there something else going on? What would Jesus and John the Baptist confront? Well, here's what, they, here's what happened. This is the conclusion we came to. Jesus and John the Baptist did not rebuke them, that is, the tax collectors and the, uh, the, the soldiers, did not rebuke them for being part of a state-sanctioned oppressive system. They focused on the individual and their individual decisions. That's what we find. Are there problems with, uh, with systemic oppression in our world? Yeah, it has been going on for a long time. But Jesus always looks to the individual. And he calls out the individual to change. And from there, systems can change. The problem in our day is all we do is we look at systems. System, this system, that system. Jesus, when in the presence of men of great state power, never called out the system. Called out the individuals. That's our call too. That's our call too. And so we have, to be, we have to be very careful not to reduce people to their tribe or people group. We start with the individual. And from there, we then look at how justice can play out. But we always start with the individual. So I think it is clear over the last two weeks 
that God's got a God is interested in the human heart. He's interested in the human heart. He's in, interested in in the human, the individual's relationship with himself. It's your relationship with your Creator. That is fundamental. That's the most important thing in the world. You know, if we had prosperity flowing to every person in this world, every person had a big screen TV and Netflix and a refrigerator full of food with master's degrees hanging on their wall. That was the case. If that was the case for every person in the world and they did not know God, it would still be a tragedy. Mark, Mark 8.36 this is uh, just about as clear as Jesus is going to say it. Remember what he said? What good is it for, for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? You can have everything, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Do we want to fill kids' bellies? Yes, we do. But man, they need the gospel. Do we want older people to have justice in nursing homes and in hospitals and hospice care? Yes, we do. But we want them to have the gospel, gospel first and foremost. If you miss that, you miss everything else. All right. Well, this makes it seem like then that salvation is all about getting out of this world and getting to heaven. As if heaven is some place where there are disembodied spirits just floating around because there's really nothing physical about heaven. That's just not the case. God is very interested in the physical world. He's very interested in our bellies and our physical needs. Did you know that when Jesus came back to life, He came back to the life in a human body? Did you know when He came back to life on the third day, air filled His lungs? Lungs, not a metaphor, literally lungs, part of your body. Did you know in heaven, in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, there will be matter. There will be physical bodies. We've got to ground this on one particular passage. Before we ever jump in the Gospel of Luke, I want to ground all of this uh, in the book of Philippians, Philippians 3, 20-21. Look at how Paul frames it. Here's what Paul writes. But our citizenship is in heaven. There's heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will what? Transform our lowly bodies so they will be like His glorious body. One day we will have new bodies. We're not just floating somewhere up in the air as spirits or ghosts. We will have new bodies. This tells us, along with a lot of other passages, that the physical world matters. The gospel and salvation for the soul is most important, but the physical world matters. And if we then step into the gospel of Luke, what we see is, is it just that the Apostle Paul wrote about the transformation of our lowly bodies into the glorious body of Christ? What we see in the gospel of Luke is that Jesus is actually caring for people physically. It's actually one of two major points I want to pick up this morning. Again, we'll do it pretty quickly. Here it is. Two main points. Gospel of Luke for today. This has to do with justice. Justice for Jesus as He's walking on the earth, ministering. We see two things. It involves caring. One, caring for the physical needs of the people in front of Him. And two, it involves protecting the most vulnerable, especially children. Both of those are are happening as we watch Jesus walk in real-life situations. And uh, there are some lessons there for us. So come with me. We're going to walk through several passages. We'll do it a bit quickly. We'll start with Luke chapter 4. Let's pick up Luke chapter 4. Probably one of the most famous passages 
uh, from the mouth of Jesus about justice. It's quoted over and over and over. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, right or left, this one is usually going to come up when you're talking about Jesus and justice. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. And as was his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So you have this prophecy about a coming Messiah, the one God would anoint. And what would he do? He would come in, yes, preaching a message, but he also would start giving sight to blind people. Physical needs would start being taken care of. It would be a sign that that person was the Messiah. Interestingly, just a few chapters later, what we find is that John the Baptist, at that point in prison, because he, he had preached truth to power, remember he had called out one of the king's inappropriate relationships with his brother's wife. Well, he's in prison because he was calling that out in his sermons. John the Baptist is in prison and he hears that Jesus is on the scene and he's doing lots of things, but he's not doing what he expected the Messiah to do. John the Baptist expected that Jesus, Messiah, would confront the Roman Empire and rid the land of, the in- of their enemies. But that's not what he- John hears is happening. So he sends two messengers, two of his disciples, to Jesus and asks him, are you really the Messiah? Because you're really, you're not matching up with what I think. Are you really the Messiah? Luke 7, here's what, how Jesus responds. Luke 7 We'll pick up verse 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many, uh, 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 many who had diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back. And you report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Do you see what happened there? Jesus says, you go tell John how all of these people's physical needs are being met. You go list them for him. It's a sign that I am who I say I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Anointed One. I'm the one that... Isaiah was preaching about long ago, looking forward to the day when God would send His anointed one. Did you see all the things happening? Physical needs are being met. I am curing, healing, making things new, and I'm doing it for the people right in front of me. You know, Jesus wasn't healing people across the world. He was healing the people right, right in front of Him. There were a lot of people that never got healed, but Jesus was healing people the people right in front of him. It was a sign he was Messiah. Justice involves taking care of the needs of those in front of you. Okay, well, does Jesus expect that of us? Well, he does. It's a long tradition in the Old Testament. But Jesus picks it up. There's this this expert in the law who comes to Jesus and says, ah, what are the greatest commands? And they have a, a bit of a conversation about what that is. And ultimately, they come down on love the Lord your God. But then there is this one about loving your neighbor as yourself. And the expert in the law asks, but who's my neighbor? 
I mean, I get this whole love your neighbor, but what if that person isn't my neighbor? You know how we like cutting out neighbors, don't we? Right, right. I mean, literally, some of you literally don't like your neighbors. I get it. Now, Miss Pearl's one of my neighbors. I love my neighbor. Miss Pearl, I love you. Okay. Nothing veiled there. Okay. Luke chapter 10, Jesus responds to the question. He tells a story. I have a feeling you might have heard this story before. But it never does, does us wrong to hear the story again. He tells the story. A man, this is Luke chapter 10, starting verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And, and so too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged up his wounds, pouring, eat oil, uh, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Now, there are, you could preach a whole sermon series on this parable. What I want us to pick up on is that to love your neighbor in this context meant to help the person with needs right in front of you. That's what happened. The Samaritan sees a need, a physical need. He doesn't walk around. He cares for the person in front of him. And what is that? That is mercy. Mercy is another way of saying justice. That is justice. To do justice means to take care of the physical needs of the people in front of you. Go and do likewise. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter who they are. If they have a physical need and you have the means to help, you help. That's justice. There it is, right there. But that's not, that's not all there is to justice, right? That's not all there is. That's, this, that's, the, that's the side of the equation, meeting people's physical needs. But you have this other one over here that we noted. It's protecting the vulnerable, especially children. And I want to press on the children piece of that, of that truth, of that reality we see in the Gospel of Luke. Just a few chapters later, Luke 18. So we'll go over to Luke 18. I want you to see something. Uh, I want us to kind of walk through a scene with Jesus and his disciples. Luke 18, we'll pick up with verse four, uh, 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Strong word, intentional, rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Surely I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, a little child, will never enter it. Now, a lot of things we can say here, but there's a few things we can see right on the surface. And that is, people were bringing young children, even babies, to Jesus, and the disciples were saying, get them away. Now, it might seem harsh for the disciples to give such a strong rebuke. But what we need to understand is in the context of the ancient world, children held no social status. And they had very few laws to protect them from abuse or exploitation. Children 
were to be seen, not heard. Children, children were not high up in the social hierarchy. There wasn't a great movement in the ancient world to feed and care for children. The disciples know that their great teacher, their rabbi, is moving forward to Jerusalem. He's on his way to claim his throne. He is the future king. He does not need to be bothered with children, especially babies. It was a common practice in the ancient world that if you didn't want a baby, you just got rid of it. This was called exposure. I don't know if you've heard this term, but in the ancient world it was quite, uh, quite uh, widespread where when a baby was born, you would just then put it in a trash heap, lay it out somewhere, and it would be exposed to the elements. And the baby would often die. There wasn't a great system of abortion in the Roman world. There were abortions in the Roman world, but nothing, nothing as effective as just making, having the baby and getting rid of it. It was called exposure. I want you to hear, I just want you to get a sense of how widespread this was uh, in a famous article by William Harris in the Journal of Roman Studies. This is published by Cambridge Press. In 1994, he wrote a, uh, uh, an article now quoted often about exposure in the Roman world. I just want to give you an excerpt of that article. Here it is. The exposure of infants was widespread in many parts of the Roman Empire. This treatment was inflicted on large numbers of children whose physical viability and legitimacy were not in doubt. It was much the, com- it, it was much the commonest, though not the only way in which infants were killed. And in many, perhaps most regions, it was a familiar phenomenon. Exposure served to limit the size of families, among other reasons. There's a longer sentence there. I just cut it off there for uh, length's sake. That's how you limit. That's that's family planning. That's Planned Parenthood. You you put the babies out to the elements so they can die. Just to note, this practice does not does not stop until it is outlawed in 374. I just want to say that again. This common practice is not is not reduced significantly. Obviously, it still happened in the in the ancient world, but it was not reduced significantly until there was a law that stopped it. Uh, maybe am I channeling something here for you? Okay, all right. Law stopped it, reduced it. But this is the world. That, this is the world that the that the disciples are living in. And so for babies to come to the future king, he's got better things to do than that. But do you see, here's, here's, here's what I want to say. Not only are children valuable, and Jesus here is protecting them. I want to be very clear. It's not just children, born children, that are valuable. It's unborn children that are valuable too. There's actually a couple places in the Gospel of Luke this is very clear. Just come with me. Luke one forty one. Here it is. So, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is coming to Elizabeth, who is carrying John the Baptist inside of her, inside of her womb. Not full term, still growing. Check out the verse, Luke 4 and 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was not a fetus jumping with joy. That was a human being jumping with joy. Unborn or preborn children are human beings. And that starts with conception. Can you imagine if Jesus was just a fetus until he was three months old? That'd be odd. 
God became flesh, and at three months old, he started to grow. No. Interestingly, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, do you know that conception is in the prophecy? Here it is. Let's go to this next verse. Luke. We'll go Luke 1, 30-31. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. The moment, the moment that Mary had conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, a human being was in her womb. So let me say it, let me just say it very clearly. Abortion is injustice. In a world where we are hearing a lot of things about a lot of injustices, it is curious that we hear very little about the one injustice that is taking more lives than any other across the globe. Abortion. Unborn children are being murdered day after day after day. And if Mary would have lived in our world and conceived the Son of God and two months later decided she wasn't really on board, she could have gone and removed Him. Can you imagine? So I just want to be clear. Injustice has got a wide spectrum. And it includes the unborn. Can I also say this? I also don't think abortion is the unforgivable sin. Can I just make that... I just want to say it one more time. I don't think abortion is the unforgivable sin. I think God covers people who've had abortions just like He covers me when I gluttonize and eat way too much food. I think Jesus is in the business of forgiving all our sins. He didn't lay in, He was not on the cross forgiving everything but abortion. And can I just add this one? And it might be controversial. But you know what? This is a justice series. Why not? I've already been said controversial things. Suicide is not the unforgivable sin either. There are a lot of reasons people take their lives. And it's not as easy as saying suicide equals hell. So just want to be real clear on that. I think God's got a lot of mercy for a lot of things we'll be really surprised about. But on the point of abortion, God's got a lot of mercy. And so, I, but it is injustice. Just as much as if I went up to a person of color and started calling them names, racist names, that'd be a problem. Just as much. In one, however, a human life is taken. And that's injustice. All right. That's a heavy topic. But let's roll it into this bigger theme of caring for people's physical needs and protecting the vulnerable. Two application points. I'm moving quick. It doesn't seem like it, but don't you worry. I am moving quick. Here it is. Two application points. Let's go to the next slide. We'll move right into application. We need to care for physical needs of people in front of you. I, I feel like you think I'm cheating. Like, that, wasn't that the first point? Yes. And that's your application. But here's, where, here's the emphasis. You can't feed. You can't feed immigrants coming over the border in California. You can't do anything about that. Now, you can vote and have a say maybe in immigration policy. You can't help them. And all the images were being shown. You can't do anything. You know what you can do? You can help some people in our community. That's what you can do. Let me just let me just say it this way. When you bring food to this church building to take to Challoner Middle School, it goes into the book bag of kids whose names who, who, whose names we know. Some have written cards, and we've read them right here in this room. And you know what? It helps families right in our community. 
We know those kids. My son, who, well, one who used to go to Challenger, he knows these kids and their families. So we do good where we are. I'm not saying don't send money to other places to help people far away. What I'm saying is, what can you do like right here? I just had someone in our church tell me a story about they were in Food Lion and, and someone was laid out on the floor, like passed out. And literally, she told me that the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan hit her. Would she be the person that walked around? Or would she maybe see if she could help? She decided, I'll see if I can help. It was her neighbor several doors down. And she was very grateful that she stopped. I don't know. You don't, have, don't baptize this to make it super spiritual. Do you know people in need? Then help them. You can't help everybody, so help the people you can help. You cannot change the world. George, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I see him. I know. He looks offended. I don't mean to offend you. You can only do you can do in your small plot of land. So do good where you are. Help those in need. Second point, do what you can to protect the most vulnerable, especially children born and unborn. There are a lot of things you can do here. Get involved with the pregnancy center. Use your vote. Get involved on the school board. Actually run for it. Or make sure you understand what's happening. You know, TESS works in the exceptional, the world of exceptional children, those with special needs. I didn't know how many issues of justice are involved in that world until TESS started working in that world. The amount of services these children get or don't get, those are issues of justice. So get involved in your school system. There are all kinds of things we can do to help those, both born and unborn. But let's do it. And you and I can do a lot of good by working with the Pregnancy Center, helping them. You know, we support them as a church. And there are many children that are now in this world because their moms decided to have their children. But let's be honest, too. We need to help moms who have little means. We need to help them, once they have a baby, to be able to keep that baby nourished and healthy and safe. We just don't want to make sure a baby's born and, great, got another one in the world. Let's help. Let's help where we can. All right. Those are the two things. Now, next step. Here it is. Next step, let's actively look for opportunities to help someone in need. Okay, so here it is. You actively look for them. If you do not look for them, they may not ever show up in front of you. You ever got a new car and you notice that, that everyone else has that car? You ever, you ever had that experience where, like, what? I didn't, like, when I got our little Kia Soul, I was like, I didn't know there were this many Kia Souls in the world. I was seeing it everywhere. If you're looking for places to help, God will give you opportunities to help those in need. If you want to help born and unborn, God will give you opportunities to help. I understand that you can vote to protect the unborn. It just may be that there might be a mom who needs help, who's carrying a baby, that needs you to help them take it to term and help after it's in the world. Maybe God will put that person in front of you. So for all your talk about abortion, He may just give you someone that you need to help. And you know what? At that point... That's your role, is to help right there in your part of the world. All right. So here's the cool thing. Uh, this sermon's all about helping those with their phys- uh, care for physical needs and also to protect the vulnerable, particularly children. I just so happen to know someone that's bringing both of those together. Actually, our whole church knows this person. You just may not have known it. 
that person is Barbie Boyd. Barbie Boyd, among other things, is the community outreach liaison at Challenger Middle School. And two years ago, she showed up at our church building and she gave me a flyer and said, could you help? And we have become one of the primary organizations to be the constant feed of food, source of food for Challenger. And it's because of Barbie. Barbie's got a heart for children. She's got a heart for caring those in need. And she's got a personal story where she has faced injustice. And she never gave up. She didn't play a victim card. She kept going. And it is an example for me, personally, and I think for us. And so I think it's good for us to meet Barbie. I also think it's good to hear her story. Let me share one thing I saw this week on Facebook. I saw this picture of Barbie. Barbie's right here on the, uh, to the right of the picture. This is, this is over a dozen kids at a summer program. Here's the post underneath the picture. We'll go to this next slide. A brighter future of Weldon would like to help students bridge the summer learning gap. We are currently offering a free summer program consisting of age-appropriate groups, one-on-one tutoring sessions, educational games, skill-building activities, snacks, and more to help your child with academic, social, and personal enrichment opportunities. Inbox me for more details. That's the kind of thing we're talking about right here. Doing good where you are. So, many of you who have watches, you're no, you notice it's like, like what time it is. We don't have a closing song because we wanted to make room for Barbie. And I want to hear her stories. For the next 10, 15 minutes or so, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to do a little interview with Barbie. So, Barbie, come up on stage and let's have a conversation. Maybe like is that is that the color? It doesn't even have a. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, Barbie, as I told you, like I told Barbie, don't script this. Just let me guide you through this, okay? Um, will you just share just a little bit about your story, a little bit about where you've come from, where you grew up, and what's driving your heartbeat? Just just kind of share some of your story so they can get to know you a little bit, like I've been able to get to know you. Thank you guys, first of all, for the opportunity to God be the glory. I'm Barbie Boyd, and I just want to just say it's so good to be able to be here in the house of the Lord on today. Mm. I want to just share with you guys that life has been really difficult growing up sometimes in, in Weldon. You know, we're a neighbor. We touch bases on that. And two years ago, I went through an experience. And I got a call from my son, who was 14 at the time, and he called me. And the way that he said, Mom, on that phone, I knew something was wrong. Well, he said, Mom, Derek has been shot. Derek and I, which is my brother, he's my brother, he passed away. We grew up in the same year, 1981. Very close. We agreed to disagree. We never had arguments. I learned a lot from him. He learned a lot from me. On this particular night, my son called me. My brother died in my arms. We went out of the 23rd song. We did the Lord's Prayer because my parents grounded us in church. We learned so much from church. And I prayed and I asked God, you know, why did I have to be there? Why me? Because I didn't understand. 
And he said that you're going to be the one to tell the story. On this day that my brother was murdered, my son, my two nephews, and other children were in this home. The knock just came to the door. He never entered into the home. My brother held the door, saving my son and those children in that house. Have you ever been in a situation where you say, Lord, this will never happen again? That is where I am. It'll never happen again. Not to my brother. I have four more. It is so much going on in this cold world, and we see a lot of this in Weldon. I had a childhood friend, Anthony Harris, that was caught in a crossfire, and he was shot and killed right on Elm Street. It's nightmares happening right on Elm Street in Wilton, North Carolina. And they are injustice. We don't have any answers. We don't have any report of what's happening, who it was. All I can say is, Lord, I thank you for covering us. Because it's hard and it's difficult. I could be bitter about that. I could be. But I want it to be better. I wanted to make sure that it, I couldn't save my brother in that moment, but I said I could save so many of the Derek Sherman's, so many more in my community that needs help, that needs someone, a good Samaritan, to come back to just see about them. You know, and it starts with the love. You know, I can't save the world, I know that. But I can be kind. I can give what I have. My greatest resource is time. So what am I doing? Am I just here existing? Or am I not living doing God's work? Because he said do and go do likewise. That's what I want to do. I want to seek his face. I want to make sure that not only was my brother not in vain, I want to make sure that when I leave here, I get well done, good, and faithful servant. Tell us what you're doing. I love. I get through it very powerful. And I've heard it. I've heard it before. Um, but yet you didn't walk away bitter, and and yet you faced other things. I remember you telling me that your that your parents last year had bullets come through their house twice from random shootings. Random shootings. And yet. And yet you are still working in that same area. You're going to do good. So t- I just share with us, like, how did you get the idea? Like, what happened when you said, I'm going to do something? But it's obviously turned into a specific something. Like, yes. I want to be able to give back to our youth, especially, because that is our future. Pastor Yates just said, who is your neighbor? I encourage you to ask yourself, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Because my brother's door was knocked on. We don't know who it was. But your door can get knocked on just the same. Because we're right here together. And please excuse the race. 
please excuse my low poverty and my, low, my, my resources that I may not have. I'm human. And God looks at none of that. He just looks at the heart. That's right. He looks at the heart. You know, and it's very, very, very extremely important to make sure that we understand that we're doing his work. And his work, is, it needs to be fulfilled outside of these church laws. It needs to be within the community to help others. Because if we're going to uplift, that's what we have to do. We have to teach. We have to pour into, you know? I imagine these kids that you're working with, even now, they're going to be much more likely to come to a summer program than they are to walk into the walls of, of this building or any other church building. Absolutely. And I, I want I want to just, if you can refer back to the picture that you yes. put up, the very first thing that I wanted, I said, Lord, I don't want to just bring the Bible and just have them sitting doing scriptures because, of course, I want to incorporate the Word. But I say, you know, I'm going to start with little tokens. If they can read, they're going to say, with God, all things are possible. I have it just sitting up. Uh-huh. I think it's in I, this picture. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's certain things that I say to them, you know, because I may be the only, the closest thing to a Bible that some people may get to. Mm-hmm. You never know. You know, although I was raised in a church day in and night, Lord Jesus, my dad had a bell <laughs> You know, but... I thank God for it because that is why and how I'm here because I know that it was God. This is a God thing, you know. Don't look at Barbie. It's bigger than Barbie, you know. Tell us about this other building you have because there's another building in Weldon. You you have been able to secure one building. You've been able to find some resources to help you with the program. Yes. And I know that God has been giving you lots of provision yes. for this. But yes. you got there's this other community building too. Absolutely. And it is the Weldon Halifax Community Center building, which is a building that has been sitting for years. It reminds me of the T.J. Davis brick. That, it, that was the vision. I'm on a board, a committee. And I'm just trying to bring in resources so that we can get this building up and running. Because as you stated, I have one and it's functioning. But we need so much more to be able to reach so many other children. And the building is, is sitting in these work inside and out. And I, my goal, before I leave this world, that building will be up and running. Okay? You can put that down if you mark that word. Okay. I love that. And, and you've had a passion for that. I have a passion for it. I do. And, the, and you know, one of the things that, that has struck me uh, as Barbie and I have gotten to know each other is that as racial tensions have grown in our country, particularly with, the, with George Floyd last May, I mean, that was lots of tension. And, I, and I've told our church, I decided I wasn't going to speak out. You know, dependent on current events, I was going to sit with God's word and bring a series, no matter current event or no current event. What right. does the Bible say about justice um, and not be driven by our current events? But in the middle of all of that, you and I have not seen each other's skin color. We have not no. looked at each other. You're, no. a, you're a black female. Right. I'm yeah. a white male. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> and, and I'm a white male. This this doesn't happen as often, and yet my goal is not to make sure that we get more of us doing this everywhere. My goal is we keep doing this, our church keeps doing this, and we do what we can. And if we can be an example, then great, we can be an example. But, but skin color 
is not going to stop the good that's happening. Exactly. That, that for me is this idea that because I'm white, I somehow am the bad guy. No, 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 no. No. And because you're black, somehow you're creating problems over here. Our relationship has not shown that to be to be anywhere not. close to that. It has not. And I'll tell you what, the Beals back there have shown the same thing. Okay. Yeah, because almost Beals, she can she can talk as good as anybody. Exactly. And and you can see you can see Miss Barbie and Miss Debbie when they get together. Yes. Miss Debbie. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it, it doesn't matter, you guys. God look at the heart and mankind. You know, I wish that we can. Stop being so divided and separated and put together because we're such a force together. You know, we're so much better together. I've learned so many things from you, you know, alone. And had I been, you know, standoffish and, and not wanted to just because of your skin color, then I wouldn't be able to grow to know some of the things that I, I that you have taught me, you know, and other races that I've learned from other races. So. I wish that that would, would not be a problem, but yeah. it is a very big issue, the injustice that we experience, you know. And George Floyd could have been my brother, mm-hmm. you know. Trayvon Martin could have been my son. Breonna Taylor could have been my sister, mm-hmm. you know. And these are things that's happening around us. What are you doing to help stop these things? Mm-hmm. And yet, in Weldon, there are things happening that have nothing to do with police. Your brother experienced it. And so it's like... I love this idea, it's not just an idea, it's the reality, that you are able to reach a group of people that I cannot reach nearly as effectively, but in our friendship, I can be a part of what you're doing. And you weren't just going to show up at this church and say, give me a microphone, I'm going to give you my testimony. (laughs) But together, we're able to share our stories. That's right. And and I think what we're able to do with Challenger, I remember when you gave us those cards that those kids wrote. I don't think we we understood how bad some families have it. And we can't solve everything. We can't. But we can solve just a little bit in our plot of land. And I love what you also told me. Um, these kids are going to get Scripture. These no, kids are going to get Scripture. They're going to get Scripture. That's right. That's right. And they're going to get the Word because we need to stand on that. Mm-hmm. We need to stand on that. But we also need to stop being so judgmental. You know, we need to make sure that we're helping my mama told us, and I'm sure your mama may have told you the same thing. You have nothing good to say. Don't say nothing at all. Not just did my mom tell me that. I tell my kids that. Okay. Yes. Okay, well. And yet they keep talking. They keep talking. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I can't help with that. I am five and I can't help with that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you drop a little wisdom right here at the end on how to stop that. <laughs> um, so, so as we kind of come to an end here, I, if somebody wanted to help, what are the things that are right in front of you? Again, we support a lot of things, but we also have relationships. And I don't think everyone knew the kind of things we had opportunity with what God's given you the ability to do in Weldon. Just if there's anyone being stirred to say, man, I'd like to at least, how could I help? Um, we, we support the pregnancy center. We work with Challenger. You know, these are things we're doing. But I think introducing this new thing in a relationship we already have what are some things that you're like, man, here are some things we need. Like, these are the things that people can help with. Just help us with that. Some things that we're needing in the world of community, we're, we're lacking resources. We are lacking resources. Um, and one of our greatest resources, we all can help with time. We can start with that. And we need funding for educational programs. We need assistance to help get this building house at community center 
building up and running. We need a, a, a rec center that our children can come to that's a safe place for them to get them out the streets. Give them some resources to make sure that they know what the early college program is like or what, or, or tour to, to go to a college or even with the food pantry. I have a food pantry that I started in the Wilden, uh, in the brighter future. And to know that you can assist a family with a meal, if you've never been in a situation where you had to wonder how you're going to eat, to be able to give someone a can of spaghetti and meatballs to know that that's going to fill their better belly, that would help you sleep very well at night, to know that you just help. That's so small. Anything that you can do to help make a difference, please do that. And that's what we're needing in Weldon. And we are your neighbors. We're neighbors. That's right. That's right. Uh, can we just give Barbie a round of applause? This just, uh, uh, okay, Barbie, you sit right there. What I want to do is I want to pray, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for what Barbie's doing over in Weld. And I know all of us have little things we're doing. This was an opportunity to share a story about how someone that we know is doing good right where you are. Because you can't save every kid in Weldon. You're not. But you can help those kids. Those kids. And I know if we had time, you'd just walk through every one of their names. And I know they all have stories. And you can help them. Uh, and we can be a part of that, or maybe there's something else we can be a part of. This does not have to be limited. The goal is we do what we can. That is a part of justice and skin color, language. Now, language can become a trouble, can a bit problematic if you're trying to communicate. Nationality, we can do good, and it starts with one. I know that feels like a cliche, but golly, I'm glad it started with you. It was the experience. It was the experiences that got me here. I've been through cancer. God, God brought me out of cancer. You know, a, a years back, I was raising children. 20 years ago, I was raising children, and my children's father was murdered. I moved along back to Weldon. My brother murdered. One of my childhood friends murdered. I don't want another Derek Sharon, another Anthony Harris, another Carl Carey. I don't want that to happen to them. So this is my way of saying, yeah. I'm going to do something. I can't wait for you to do it. I'm going to do it myself. That's and right. I hope that I've sparked something in you along the way yeah. that encourages you to help as well. And, and you don't have to help my organization or what I'm doing or my movement. Help someone. Enfield. Gaston. We all are your neighbors. We all need help, and we are so much better together. That's right. So much better together. That's right. Oh, that's good. This is the story that needs to go viral. Unfortunately, it probably won't. It probably wouldn't get all the clicks that other things can get. But this is the story, and it's because of Jesus. Jesus. Our fundamental foundation is Jesus. And our conversations have been about Jesus often. Jesus. Absolutely. Let's pray for what, what God's doing over there. Father, thank you for what you have done in the life of Barbie Boyd. We have no idea why the injustice has happened the way it has happened in her life. But we are so grateful that your spirit in her has caused her, has stirred her to do justice with the few she has influence over. And now with a building and programs. And now she gets to share her story with so many people right here. All of it because of Christ. If Barbie wouldn't have come to Jesus, I don't think any of this would be possible. So thank you for Christ first and foremost. 
her rebellion was forgiven. My rebellion was forgiven. And thank you for that. And now we are one in Christ. Thank you for this sister doing things over in Weldon that we may not have opportunity to do, but uh, would you just bless it, prosper it, and that building to become a rec center, would you in your infinite abundance make that happen? And by your grace, may it all be shaped under the Lordship of Christ, and that there would literally be children in Weldon, Roanoke Rapids, Gaston, Enfield, that literally would come to know your son, have full bellies, be successful in life because of the small work being done over in Weldon by Barbie. So with that said, we thank you. And help us, help us to actively find opportunities to help those in need. In the name of Jesus, we pray it, we pray it over Barbie and all the good work in every one of those children. Together we say, Amen. Thank you, Barbie. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you.